Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast on Radio MD, iHeart, or wherever you download us from. Thank you for doing that. We have a wonderful guest. I am really looking forward to this topic. Dr. Day is a professor of operations management and business analytics at the Johns Hopkins Carey Business School, joint faculty appointment with Johns Hopkins School of Nursing, and is really the world's expert on the supply chain for what I would call generic drugs and drug manufacturing. He is an outstanding person to have and to tell us why we have problems and why cancer patients have problems in getting the drugs they need and what to do about it. And I've got a set of questions for him all lined up because I'm so interested in this topic. This is 1160B. The Bs are always great guests, like Dr. Day. His full name is Dr. Ting Long, T-I-N-G-L-O-N-G Day, D-A-I. To find out more about him, you can go to the Johns Hopkins website and just search on his name. But he is the world's expert, as I said, in this. The Bs are always great guests. The A's, the latest medical news of the week and what it means to you. And remember, we talked about the study on Weekend Warriors today. It's fine. We also talked about colchicine as something that if you've got a risk of heart disease or stroke in yourself or your family, you're going to want to talk to them about a generic 0.6 milligram tablet, and we'll find out if there's any problem with the supply chain of colchicine while we're talking to Dr. Day. But Dr. Day, I was on a study section, ran a study section at the FDA, and we went and visited some of the drug manufacturers and supplement manufacturers. I was surprised at how poor the quality of supplement manufacturers were. Of the 30 or so we vi- I visited when I took over the Wellness Institute or started the Wellness Institute at the Cleveland Clinic, only two mass-spec'd the ingredients on the way in and out of their place to make sure they were getting what they said they were and the purity of it. And only one did it twice in the barrel. They would get these huge barrels. I don't know how big, how many, I used to know how many pounds and kilograms they were, but they're these huge barrels that no one human being could lift. And they only would sample at the top. I said, if I was shipping, if I wanted to fool them, I'd just ship talcum powder in the middle, but I'd put the active ingredient at the top and and you'd get by everyone. And it seemed to me there wasn't a lot of quality control in the supplement industry. But when you would visit the drug manufacturers' plants in the United States, so I visited Abbott a couple times and one of the Bristol-Myers plants, as well as one of the uh, Roche that took over Genentech plants, they were meticulous. And I said, why has drug manufacturing largely gone overseas? First of all, thank you very much for having me. That's a lot of pressure. That's a very, very good introduction, but also gives me a lot of pressure. But let me just first say that 
you know, why are drug manufacturing going overseas? I think a lot of economic forces, but also a lot to do with the labeling. Because as consumers, sometimes we have no way of properly finding out where the drugs are manufactured in. So that labeling part does not give us a lot of transparency in terms of where the ingredients was manufactured in, where they were actually made, and has FDA properly inspected the facilities. When things are, when consumers are kept in the dark, it's hard for us to keep track of, to make informed choices, even if we want to. That really gives drug manufacturers a lot of leverage of the outsourcing production. But it seems to me production, when I looked at it, is much more capital intense than labor intense, meaning they didn't require a lot of people to produce the drugs, just a lot of capital for the equipment. Is that right or am I wrong in that? Well, case by case, I would still say that you mentioned you have been to a lot of drug plant factories. One thing that really strikes me, at least in my own case, is that I have been to several manufacturer plants the way more labor-intensive than I imagined, and also a lot more manual and much less automated than one would, uh, would think. It still involves a lot of human labor, in part because you are talking about one factory manufacturing hundreds of different products. The process cannot be too automated, because if it's very automated, it will not be flexible. You want to have that kind of flexibility, which is still provided by labor-intensive processes. So I'll say that, well, it is very much capital-intensive, but it's also labor-intensive business. I was on a group on a board that was appointed to recruit a chair of the FDA on two committees to do that. And when I asked the former chair what their limitations were, They both said, they were both guys at that time, they both said the limitations were when they went up to testify in front of Congress, they could tell Congress anything except that they needed more money to do their job. And that limited what they said is the number of people who could inspect and the number and the amount of quality they could do. So one of the next people in the line developed the international normalization, which part of that treaty was to pay for, to do a payment if the drug company was selling enough of the drug, was to pay the FDA some money to be able to inspect. Did that solve the problem or is there still a shortage of inspectors? There's definitely a shortage of inspectors, definitely shortage of funding, shortage of resources, shortage of authority. FDA should be allowed to do more with more resources and be given more authority. No question about that. Just look at one figure I'd like to cite is that last year, FDA was only able to inspect 6%, single digit, 6% of the overseas manufacturing facilities. One key reason was because they didn't have enough resources. I mean, you could argue COVID-19 pandemic was an important reason, but even that doesn't justify how can you inspect a single digit percentage. That doesn't make any sense to me. So they only inspected 6% of the plants. And I understand maybe it's your work that I saw, or maybe it was from Catherine Eban's book, that 
in China and India, they often have to give notice when they're going to inspect. So the plant can clean up, if you will, instead of maintaining itself at all times. Correct. The FDA for a while didn't have the authority to conduct unannounced inspections to oversee factories. So then they had this pilot program that gave them this authority, giving them some money, a few millions of dollars. But the program was kind of on and off. So last year, it went on again. And I think this year is on again. But the amount of money is just tiny to support the function of the program. They should absolutely make that inspection unannounced by default. But right now, that's not what happened. Now, part of your work that I've read says that part of the problem with our supply shortages, not only in cancer drugs, but in other drugs, relates to the quality of production. Can you talk to us a little bit more? It seems to me if they, if they lower quality, they ought to be able to ram it out. Why aren't they, they what's going on? First of all, I, let me just back up your statement here is that a lot of shortages we have seen in this country is really not an issue of quantity, but an issue of quality. So in fact, according to the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA itself, 62% of shortages actually caused by quality issues. Now, actually, it could be more, more than 60%, because a lot of shortages, the reasons are not identified. So I would say that more than 60% actually due to quality issues. The reason we haven't seen quality improved as much as they should is really because there's really no way for us to measure the quality or safety of drugs if such drugs actually are manufactured in India, in China, in other countries, without FDA being able to properly inspect them. There's just no good signal of good manufacturing practice. So I would call this lemons market. When you expect the quality to be bad, I think everyone just, nobody's willing to pay good high prices, right? So it's going to be this bad equilibrium. What's the solution to this? When I was growing up, a lot of the manufacturing facilities were in Puerto Rico. And then a hurricane hit or something like that and destroyed a bunch of them. So they got moved. Why did Puerto Rico develop? Was it some kind of tax break that developed in Puerto Rico? And what is the solution? I'm asking two other questions, assuming that the solution might be to move the plants back to the U.S. But what is the solution in your mind? Well, as much as we want to move the plants to the U.S., the plants are not going to move themselves. Eventually, we have to use market forces. First of all, we need to arm healthcare providers and patients with information. So people should be able to tell where the drugs are manufactured in, from ingredients to the packaging to the inspection. And because without that information, there's not so much we, we can do. So... If we can find out where our T-shirts are made, we should also be able to know where the drugs are made, right? So I, I think if you tell people exactly where ingredients are from, where the drugs are actually made, and whether FDA has inspected in the last year or last five years or last 10 years, that would give people a lot of, lot of more power than they have now. So part of that solution is a regulatory one that says... 
on the label. We now have it, thanks to uh, one of our FDA commissioners, we now know what the ingredients, if you will, we now know the salt content, we know the the added sugar content of our food. Absolutely. And where it's where it comes from, we should do the same thing with our pills, eh? Yeah, people shouldn't go blind because they purchase one bottle of eye drops from CVS from Walgreens, right? That shouldn't have happened here in the United States. But the other, actually, I would say the really, really important part is that FDA should step up inspection especially for overseas manufacturers. Uh, frankly speaking, even for domestic manufacturers, I don't really have a lot of confidence in the quality or safety without rigorous inspection, let alone overseas manufacturing. That's, FDA should admit that they don't have the capabilities of overseeing such a complex, large global supply chain. They should also stop telling Americans that the generic drugs are as safe and as effective as brand name drugs because they don't have the capability to support that claim. Now, part of it, if you will, there's a pharmacy called Valisher, as well as the Cleveland Clinic pharmacies. And when they get a bulk purchase in, they mass spec some of that drug. Is that a solution or does that not guarantee quality? Is that just guarantee? That is a solution if you are Cleveland Clinic, right? But not all the providers that not every consumer can afford to, to do that. So I would say eventually we really have to think about giving people more information, more choices. And so if people are really not comfortable about using generic drugs made in India, made in China, they should be giving that information so that they are making informed choice. I would also argue that the FDA shouldn't tell in people keep telling people that generics are just as good as brand name because they're not. We all know that. It's a lie, right? And that got uncovered with some of the thyroid preparations, clearly. But tell me, have you, you're a business professor, so have you calculated the amount of money that, how much extra would the FDA have to have in financial resources to be able to do this? Well, I think I haven't, first of all, I admit, I haven't done that calculation, but I would say the way, way more than whatever they have right now. I think we, it's not too much to ask for more than they have now when the Biden administration can give the IRS $800 billion, right? $800 billion to IRS. Meantime, we'll talk about millions of dollars to FDA to improve over the inspection. I would say just a very small proportion of their budget can easily, easily help improve what FDA has for now. Are there any easy solutions for us? Well, easy solutions, I would say, well, in fact, what I said earlier, I think those are the solutions we should have immediately is that we should, as a consumers, we should insist on information about where the drugs are sourced from. And I think this is a clear should be a bipartisan solution, giving people more information, giving people more choice. And the people should reject the health plans that kind of force people to use generic drugs. When we know that most of generic drugs are sourced overseas, we don't really have a strong confidence about safety or quality. I'm just thinking of my own case. So I get, I use a drug called Resuvastatin. Crestor is the brand name. Every tablet I get 
every time I get a refill on the prescription, the pill looks a little bit different <laughs> or it comes from a different manufacturer. Yeah. I have some confidence in the Cleveland Clinic since they do mass spec some of the incoming batches since we do such high quantity. But the interesting thing is I have never been able, when you read the label, we read the whole bottle. One, the print is pretty damn small, but even reading it, it doesn't say where it comes from. It says where it's packaged. Correct. And they're all packaged in the United States. So the point is, to me, is it a regulatory change we need? What do we need? We need regulatory change. We need mandates. Uh, we, we need the regulatory changes and the mandates drug manufacturers to solicit labeling where the products came from, ingredients, everything. That absolute minimum, bare minimum that they should have been doing, they haven't done. It's good that you are using brand name drugs. This is one point I want to make here is that brand name drugs are not perfect, but at least there's a liability aspect. If something goes wrong, generally speaking, consumers, you can sue them. You can get some reasonable amount of compensation. Whereas with generic drugs, that's not the case because they are, what they're doing, they're mimicking what the brand name manufacturers are doing. Unless you can prove this is something due to their manufacturing process, generally you cannot recover anything from them. So we are basically in a situation that if you are using, if we are, you're forced to use generic drugs, you do not get that kind of protection as you do when you use brand name drugs. So the other thing is that in the United States, already more than 90% of prescriptions are filled with generics. This is probably the highest among all the OECD countries. You go to any country in Europe, you're looking at maybe half or less than half of the market share in terms of generics, but you cannot find another country with such a high market share as in the United States. Let me give you another question on this. You're also an expert on AI. Will there be an AI that is able to take a picture of the drug and identify the manufacturer and the ingredients soon. In other words, will some of our, I don't know how large language models do this, but obviously photography, there should be some way. Will we, will we get to that point? No, unfortunately. ChatGPT is not going to save us from drug shortages, unfortunately. So eventually this is really come from market forces I know any AI solutions I'm familiar with, I don't think they can solve the fundamental manufacturing process problem. So this isn't just about what does your drugs look like, right? This is actually about the actually the production process, which requires a lot more rigor in inspection. Now, we're talking with Dr. Day, Ting Wong Day, T-I-N-G-L-O-N-G Day. He's a professor of operations management and business analytics at the Johns Hopkins Carey School of Business. I haven't given any place near all the accolades he gets, as you can probably tell. I honor him because he is a great academic servant to the country and to his institution. Let me ask you, how do we stop the drugs being tainted some of the drugs that people get over the counter are tainted with opioids or with other addictive drugs. How do we addicted substances? 
Is that part of the same problem? Is this done in the manufacturing or is this done someplace after that process? I must admit, I haven't looked at that problem specifically, but I think that if you look at it from a supply chain perspective, this is about the quality inspection. One important point you made earlier is that this is very capital-intensive business. You could also could be automated a lot. I would say this is a fundamental quality control problem. There's a lot of quality control principles has to be in, in place. But also, I would also argue that if you have ever visited any domestic manufacturing facilities, your confidence about drug quality may be shaken. Just in, in part because the quality is not guaranteed. It really requires a lot of inspection, every little step. In fact, I would argue that a reasonable manufacturing process should be that you spend most of the time doing inspection to make sure what's put inside of the bottles actually exactly what you're supposed to be in, inside of those bottles. So yeah, so I do not have a direct answer to your question, but a short answer would be that I think I think of this as a quality control problem. We cannot be careful enough about what we are actually manufacturing. I want to thank you very much. We are brought to you, as usual, by longevityplaybook.com, my website, where we talk about what is good and needed for your longevity. This was a sensational session, the A session of this. Also had information both on dementia and on prevention of dying of any cause since the VA study and inflammation with colchicine was just released this week. And the B, we're talking with Ting Long Day, DAI. He talked about the manufacturing process. I have visited LifeFirstNaturals.com's bovine colostrum plant, which is in Phoenix. I don't know, in or just outside of Phoenix. And I don't know if they're able to operate in the heat that it is, but it probably is good for pasteurization which they do on the products. So Life's First Naturals, the makers of both True Biotics and Bovine Colostrum Powder that I take. I'm going to look at the label and see they are manufactured in the United States, and I'm going to see if it says that someplace on their bottles. Thank you very much. Thank you, our listeners, whether you got us from Radio MD or iHeart or Apple, wherever you download us from. Thank you very much. Tell your friends about us. This is a sensational session. Thank you, Dr. Day. And may the force be with you in getting the regulatory changes and the money to the FDA for more inspectors and inspections and a higher quality set of inspections. Thanks again. We'll be back next week. We hope you are.